Well, today we're going to begin a brand new series called In Times Like These. If I could have my timer, please. In Times Like These. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12 says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. I believe that this is a very appropriate verse of Scripture for us in times like these. Would you agree this morning? Well, as we begin this series, I want to lay a foundation. That's what the message today is all about. I'm laying a foundation for this series. And I'm going to make, uh, or I'm going to lay this foundation by making three statements. The first statement that I want to make this morning is this, and that is we never thought there would be times like these. You know, COVID-19 kind of snuck up on us, didn't it? Even when it arrived, all of us thought it's only going to last for a little while. Mask and sheltering in place and mass shutdowns. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? We never thought there would be times like these. In the book of the Revelation, there is a letter written to a particular church that relates all too well to today's modern American church. And I want us to read that letter recorded in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. I'm going to read that to you this morning. It says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent." Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, I will dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There are three things in this letter that I believe that we can learn from. The first thing we can learn from this letter is this. That is pride tells us we are better off than we are. Pride, our pride tells us, speaks to us, and tells us that we are better off than we are. Notice verse number 17. Jesus said, you say, say you say. You say I'm rich. You say I'm wealthy. You say I don't need anything. Does that sound like anyone you know? We Americans tend to be very prideful people, do we not? We boast of being the greatest nation in the world. We feed the world, we love to say. Oh, we're number one. Oh, the world looks to us for leadership. We set the standard. 
We present ourselves as healthy, wealthy, and wise. Even the church, even the modern American church has bought into this with its Western mindset gospel. Just come to Jesus and all of your troubles will be over, some will tell you. Come to Jesus and and he will offer you a, a life of ease. You're a king's kid. How? You're a king's kid, so expect to live like a king's kid, we are told. We never thought there would be times like these because pride tells us we are better off than we are. And because prosperity gives us a false sense of security. Verse 17 of Revelation 3 again. Jesus said, you say, you say I'm rich. You say I am wealthy. You say I have need of nothing. Truth is, the poorest American is rich in comparison to the standards of most of the world. Oh, if you've not been there, you don't know and you don't understand. But, but if you've been around the world as I have, you will understand that the poorest American is rich in comparison to the standards of most of the world. Most of Americans poor today have a roof over their heads, they have food in their belly, they have a car or two in the driveway, have a flat screen TV. Hello? We never thought there would be times like these because because prosperity gives us a false sense of security. We have our jobs, we have our homes, we have our cars, we have our 401ks. Oh, we have our investments and, 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 and we could go on and on and on. Prosperity gives us a false sense of security. And because we never thought there would be times like these, presumption causes us to be unprepared. We've always had, so we will always have, we presume. We've always, it's always been, so it will always be, we presume. Are you sure? Are you sure? Presumption is the way of a fool. Preparation is the way of the wise. Verse 17 and 18 of Revelation 3, Jesus says, Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, you do not know that you are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus said, I advise you to buy from me. Say from me. Jesus said, I advise that you buy from me gold, oh, refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Because we never thought there would be times like these. So many have been caught unprepared, unprepared. Presumption is a very unwise way to live. I've taught this house for years, for years to be prepared. For years I have taught in this house to live on less than you make. To build an emergency fund. To get out of debt. And once you get out of debt, to stay out of debt. Why? To be prepared for times like these. I'm giving three statements today as a foundation as we build this new series. 
Statement number one is we never thought there would be times like these. Statement number two is there have always been times like these. There have always been times like these. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 through 11 it says, History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under heaven is new. Some people say, here is something new, but actually, it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. According to Solomon, there have always been times like these. Three things I want to say here. First of all, times like these are repeated over and over. Times like these are repeated over and over. Verse 9 of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 says so. We're not the first generation to wear masks. We're not the first generation to experience sheltering in place. We're not the first generation to experience massive shutdowns. It's the first for us. But not for mankind. Times like these repeated, are repeated over and over and over again. And times like these reveal our true selves. Think about it. As we are putting on our masks today, the masks that some have been wearing for years are coming off. Times like these reveal who we really are. It reveals our true self. Masks are coming off. Ugly is coming out of people today who have kept it masked for years. True priorities are being unmasked today. I'm going to be preaching a series called Unmasked in the Future. You see, as masks are being put on, other masks are coming off. Times like these reveal our true selves. Proverbs 24 and 10 says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Let me ask you this morning, let me ask you, how are you handling the pressure of this pandemic? We're going to talk about how we should be handling that in point number three today. Well, although we never thought there would be times like these, there have always been times like these. And because there have always been times like these, Times like these remind us of how quickly things can change. Year 2020 came in with much optimism and much enthusiasm. 2020 vision was the focus of most pastors and churches. It came to a screeching halt very quickly into the new year. And, and year 2020 became perhaps, perhaps the toughest year that any of us have ever experienced. I can tell you that in 48 years of full-time ministry and most of that as a pastor, I have, I have never had a more difficult year as a pastor. I'm not whining. I, I'm not looking for sympathy this morning. It's just 
a fact, and especially as the masks come off. That being said, God has been amazing. He has been amazing this past year and has proven his faithfulness over and over and over again. We've never faced anything like this. I've never led a church through anything like this. We've been used to prosperity, man. Man, in the last many, many years, this church has been prosperous. We've been blessed incredibly. I didn't know what in the world was going to happen when everything shut down. God just showed up and just showed his faithfulness over and over. There were some pretty anxious times. I remember one month in particular, two months in particular actually, when more was going out than it was coming in. I didn't know what we were going to do. And I told Pastor Landon, I said, Landon, pay all the bills, pay all the staff. Don't pay me until everything's paid and you can pay me according to what's left. I'm not telling you that to make myself look good. I'm just telling you there were difficult times. There were, there were times I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and, and things that you depend upon, all of a sudden they're not dependable. And even people that you depended upon in the past are no longer dependable. The people you look to to pull you through and to get you over the top... It's not doing it. But you know what? We've got over the top. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Every bill paid. Money in the bank. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. And here's one thing that I've learned. And what I've learned. And that is God is who we are to depend upon. Not upon people. See, see God has used different people than he has used in the past. Let me tell you, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but someone who was literally bankrupt a couple of years ago today is one that helps us get it over the top. Say, that's God. See, see, God, God has used different people this past year. He has used different people than he has used in the past. But he does this to remind us that he is the provider, not people. Times like these remind us of how quickly things can change. Just ask people like Job, ask people like Joseph, ask Daniel, ask Paul. Proverbs 23 and 5 says, In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. It will sprout wings and it will fly away. Proverbs 27 and 1 says, Don't brag about tomorrow because you have no idea what might happen. You could lose your job tomorrow. You could lose your health tomorrow. The stock market could, could crash. You, you could discover infidelity in your marriage. A friend could betray you. COVID-19 could spike beyond anyone's imagination. Who knows what might or might not happen tomorrow? How many of you are encouraged now? I just, I'm glad you came. I could encourage you today. Times like these remind us of how quickly things can change. Which brings me to my third statement today, which is this, and that is we need Jesus because of times like these. Like the old song says, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. We sure do need him now. We sure do need him now. These young people up here say, what is he saying? Amen. 
I don't know your songs either. Okay. <laughs> I like what James chapter 4 and verse 6 says. says that he gives more grace. Say more grace. He gives more grace. We need to understand there are two aspects of the word grace. Now, most people, they think of grace, they only think of the one aspect of grace. They only think about grace as saving grace. And I thank God. It is by grace that you are saved. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thank God for saving grace. But that's only one aspect of grace. Second aspect of grace is sustaining grace. God not only is able to save us, but God is also able to sustain us. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, God gives us grace. Say grace. grace. Why does God give us grace, writer of Hebrews? Well, he says in Hebrews 4 and 16, God gives us grace to help us. Say help us. God, not only to save us, but to sustain us, to help us. God gives us grace to help us in time of need. In, t- in times like these, we desperately need God's sustaining grace. Oh, hear me this morning. In these uncertain times, only the Lord is certain. And Hebrews 13 and 8 tells us Jesus Christ is the same. Say same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need Jesus because of times like these. Well, let me quickly mention three things that we need him for. First of all, we need him to help us. We need Jesus to help us. I don't think that a $600 stimulus check is going to help us very much. Not for very long. We need Jesus. Say, we need Jesus. More than we need a stimulus check, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to help us. Psalms 20, verse 1 and 2 says, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry, and may he send you help from the sanctuary. And the psalmist said in Psalm 78, verses 23 through 25, says, speaking of the Lord, says, He commands the skies to open. He opens the doors of heaven. Has he not rained down manna to eat and filled his people to the full until they could hold no more? Listen, how many believe that if the God that sustained over three million people, amen, in the wilderness by providing manna and providing quail, if God could provide for their needs, amen, for 40 years and nobody had a job and nobody got a government check and nobody got stimulated. Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. Because of times like these, we need Jesus. We need him to help us. But not only do we need him to help us, we need him to heal us. This pandemic has not only brought with it a physical virus, but it has had a domino effect. Emotional and mental trauma is absolutely epidemic today. Some are saying that the cure is worse than the disease. Because of consistent sheltering in place, depression has skyrocketed. Abuse and suicide are literally off the charts. 
and tolerance for anyone or anything other than what lines up perfectly with one's own personal views is almost non-existent today. And it's coming from both sides of the fence. Name-calling and shaming and ridicule is being done in the name of the Lord, no less. Families and friends and church members are choosing up sides and creating civil war. And Satan is laughing. He's laughing. He's laughing at us today. And the world is saying, why would I want to be a part of them? We need Jesus to heal us. Physical healing, yes. Oh, do we need the Lord to to just speak the word and, and the virus will be gone. Yes, we need physical healing, but we also need mental healing and emotional healing and spiritual healing today. We need Jesus today. In times like these, we need Jesus. Isaiah 53 and 5 said he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Oh, we need Jesus because of times like these. We need him to help us. We need him to heal us. And we need him to harden us. Now, I've had a lot of good response so far. I kind of think I'm going to lose some of it. I should have made it number one or two so that I could recoup with the other good ones. Truth of the matter is, most saints today, or maybe I could change that and say many, but I... Let me just say, there are saints today that are pretty soft. I said the same, many of the saints today are pretty soft. They have absolutely no spiritual calluses. You don't get calluses unless you work. And we've made church and Christianity and discipleship and all these things so easy today. It's all being done for us. I'm, I'm feeding you today. We're making plans to feed again on Wednesday night. Every book imaginable is out there. Every podcast, every recording. So many of the saints are very soft today because they have no spiritual calluses because they've done no spiritual work. And they have no spiritual muscles. You know, it doesn't take very long not using your muscles to lose them. I know this is not going to make me very popular, but it's true. And nearly anything and everything offends us this day. Every time I open my mouth, I know at least 50% of the people are going to be mad at me. Just got to decide which 50 And I've always been one to stay right in the middle. I've never been to the left or the right. I've never done extremes. I've always walked down the middle of the road. But now what I'm discovering is that I'm at the middle of the road. Now I can get hit by both sides. <laughs> and I'm not whining or complaining. Or, I really, I'm not. But it's true. Never been a day like today. Never been. Well, I said there always has been, so I guess there have been. <laughs> But not in my lifetime. 
and not in my ministry. Boy, I've really, 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 really tried to take the next two pages of my notes out. And I, I just can't, so I'm going to blame it on the Lord. That's what we do, right? The Lord told me to do it. And nearly any excuse will keep people out of church. Hey, hear me clearly. I've said it only once have I said this. This is just the second time. But I've said this in the past. Well, I've said this many times. But there are people who have underlying health issues that should not be coming to church. Maybe I should be doing this. You're here. I should be doing this. For their own safety, they should shelter in place. But there's a host of saints who go everywhere except the church. I just got myself in a heap. You're in a heap of trouble, boy. (laughs) This virus is extremely, extremely intelligent. It's, it's so smart. I mean, it doesn't show up at Walmart, doesn't show up at the grocery store, doesn't show up on vacation, doesn't show up at sit-down restaurants, doesn't show up at, at sporting events. It only shows up at church. Amazing. By the way, I've really enjoyed being your pastor nearly the last 18 years. Again, I'm not saying that everybody ought to come to church. I'm saying that those who are going everywhere else should also come to church. And you know, when everything shut down, we preachers, we kind of set ourselves up. Because you know, you know, when things happen that you're not normally, you know normally happen you scurry to figure out how to spin this and make this you know and so so we didn't you know we knew they weren't coming to the building so we need to make sure make sure that we at least got them online and so everybody started preaching oh the church is not a building (laughs) right that's what we did the church is not a building you don't have to have a building to be a church the church the people are the church And I want to tell you that's 100% true. Absolutely 100% true. But my Bible also tells me not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Say together. Listen, I got by with church online. I got by. I made it. It worked. But I want to tell you, I can't, I can't, I remember the first, and we were only out. How many were we out? About four weeks we were totally, I can't remember, about four weeks we were shut down, something like that, that's all we were. Eight weeks, was it that long? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maybe that's why, I do, but I do remember that the day that we did open back up and I stood on there and they began to, man, I don't know, there was just something different. 
not saying God can't use the internet. I'm not saying that God doesn't use modern technology and modern tools, but there's something about gathering in the house of the Lord. There's something about coming together with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. There's something about the energy of the room of a spirit-filled church where the glory and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, amen, is manifested. Well, you guys love me. You're here. And you love me too. I know you do. I, I know you do. And some of you don't need to be here. But some do. We need Jesus because of times like these. We need him to harden us. We need, we need him to strengthen us. We need him to mature us. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, The kind of sorrow that God wants us to have is the kind that leads us away from sin. And James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, When troubles come, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you will be complete and in need of nothing. Here's what I've learned. God wastes nothing. God uses everything, even a pandemic. We need Jesus because of times like these. The takeaway for the message this morning is this. God has a purpose in times like these. I didn't say God caused it. I didn't say he didn't. But I will tell you that God has a purpose in times like these. And it seems that the more difficult times get, the more the church unifies, comes together, and strengthens. Happened in the early church. Happens all around the world is happening in America today. Oh, maybe they're not all coming, but God is still showing himself God and showing himself strong. God has a purpose in times like these, and God has provision in times like these. May not be the people he's used in the past, but he uses new people to let you know that, hey, you were dependent on them. Well, what happens when you depend on them if they no longer show up or they no longer help? Our dependency is not on people, our dependency on God. I learned as a traveling minister, and I've done it twice in my ministry. I've showed up at little old bitty podunk places with only a handful of people, thinking, my goodness, I need to give them an offering, and left with them blessing my socks off. And I pulled up to beautiful, beautiful churches with a house full of people, and they hand me a little honorarium. It's not about people, it's about God. It's not about what's sustained you in the past, it's about who has sustained you in the past. Amen. Amen. God has a purpose in times like these, God has provision in times like these, and God wants to re reveal His presence in times like these. Lord, would you reveal your presence today? Bow your heads in this room this morning. Bow your heads, those of you that are watching by live stream. God, reveal your presence today. 
God, would you reveal your presence? Let the presence of the Holy Spirit be revealed in this room this morning and even even be revealed in the living rooms and bedrooms and dens and back porches and wherever that people are viewing this today or in days to come. Let the presence of God, God reveal your presence. Reveal your presence. Reveal your presence.